This is the iQueen Podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Lori Boyer. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. And of those is Chelsea Good. She is the Vice President of Government and Industry Affairs and Legal with the Livestock Marketing Association. We'll talk more about LMA and the things they do, but Chelsea, before we start on that, and to get us started, give us a little bit of background on yourself. Certainly. So um, I actually am a Colorado native, grew up Parker, south of Denver, uh, but came out to Kansas for uh, undergrad and law school, um, ended up uh, spending some time at the Kansas Department of Agriculture, uh, first as their communications director, and then doing animal health, legal, and policy work. You grew up um, 4-H background. Cattle people have kind of always been my people. And so um, I joined the team at LMA in 2013, uh, focused on the government affairs side, so a lot of D.C. and back, working on policy issues, on behalf of the livestock auctions and other marketing businesses that LMA represents. Chelsea, how long have you been with LMA? Eight years. I joined our team in 2012. Tell me more about this organization and what all you do there. So Livestock Marketing Association represents the uh, local livestock auctions. Sometimes they're called sale barns or stockyards spread out across the United States. More than 75% of your local livestock auctions would be LMA members. We also uh, have members that are in other livestock marketing businesses, for example, online and video auctions or even um, your bonded cattle dealers. And as a trade association, we uh, work to advocate on behalf of those local livestock auctions, making sure that their interests are represented both in Washington, D.C. and with USDA, but also in state capitals. We also are an information source for the livestock auctions, provide membership services, have an animal handling program, um, and also provide insurance services for the auction. So really kind of a a full-service trade association that that represents their interests but also provides information and a variety of other services as well. Chelsea, since you have been there eight years, what are some of the changes that you've seen at LMA and within the industry during your time there? Certainly. Uh, You're giving me a little bit more age than I've got. It's eight years. Oh, sorry. uh, Still, I think even in that, in that time frame, um, I have certainly seen some some changes, and, and maybe COVID in particular. We saw um, an acceleration in um, last year in 2020. I'll give one example. I think that there is a lot of value to having a fixed facility local livestock auction. Um, a lot of your producers, uh, particularly in some regions, might have only, you know, a single animal to sell, a cold cow to sell at once, or a handful of calves. And there's a lot of benefit to having that aggregation point where we can get multiple buyers to compete with the, on those, uh, for those animals and have that true price discovery. But we've seen the market starting to add additional services or additional ways to do that. The, the COVID example I'm going to give is many of your local auctions were already streaming um, online. Uh, but some of them weren't, and they started to do that, even their you know, traditional weekly sales, so people could watch their animals sell online. And many have even offer, started to offer the ability to bid and buy, buy animals online. So uh, still providing those services, but also growing and changing with the times to make sure that we're, we're offering uh, multiple ways to uh, participate in a livestock auction. 
Okay. Thank you for that, Chelsea. Now, currently, what are some of the issues that you guys are working on there at LMA? The one issue that's kind of on the top of most people's minds at the moment is price discovery and fair pricing for livestock. And honestly, it's mostly for fed cattle. That seems to be the the main talking um, discussion point in the industry at the moment is, you know, we have four large beef processors um, that have 85% of the marketplace. And so making sure that a fair price is being given for fed cattle. We saw um, after the Tyson fire in 2019 and again in COVID, uh, record high spreads between live cattle prices and box beef prices. And I think that that's something that's been a concern for the industry as a whole. Now, we still have really good competition within our local livestock auctions, LMA members, but they're mostly selling feeder cattle and younger animals. Um, you don't see a whole lot of fed cattle being sold to the packers through a livestock auction. So there's been a lot of focus on that transaction, and LMA has really just tried to be a entity that can work with all of these different groups that have different perspectives to try and bring people together for discussions about this topic. Actually, there was a meeting in May that our leadership held that brought together National Cattlemen's Beef Association, uh, U.S. Cattlemen's Association, the Farm Bureau and the Farmers Union, and RCAF USA, five groups that don't always get in the same room to have discussions. And our leadership had the foresight to, to bring those people together for discussion about fed cattle pricing and if there are things we can do to improve price discovery and also um, just the level of price that people are receiving. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about that meeting here uh, off and on with some of those groups you mentioned. But in your opinion, and the Livestock Marketing Association's role with that, like what were some of the concrete ideas that came out that can be applied or used? I was pleased uh, not only that the meeting occurred, but that following the meeting, the, the groups issued a joint press release that highlighted some areas of consensus. One of those areas of consensus was the creation of a cattle contract library. And so uh, what that would look like, it exists in swine, it does not exist in cattle, but it would be summaries of the contracts that packers have with feed yards, and it would give people a better idea of how cattle are being priced and might benefit a uh, independent or individual producer who's trying to negotiate their own contract or sales price to see what sort of things are worked into other contracts. So I think a a cattle contract library seems to be an idea that's building quite a bit of momentum and consensus within the industry. Also, just the uh, renewal of livestock mandatory reporting, or LMR, uh, that provides a lot of good information for our industry. Uh, it's up for reauthorization on September 30th. It seems like there's consensus that we need to reauthorize LMR and maybe even do so in a way that allows people to start getting additional pieces of information Earlier, um, for example, um, for cattle that are on the formula, if there's a known base price, maybe getting a known base price report for formula cattle earlier in that process would be something that would just provide more information to the industry. On the cattle contract library, would that be housed at LMA? No, that would be something that U.S. Department of Agriculture would house. Um, Currently, the swine library is housed within mm. USDA, uh, the Packers and Stockyards Division. Um, I think that that would be one potential home for the cattle contract library. Or uh, we have so much information that's already coming out of 
livestock mandatory reporting, um, that might be another place within USDA that a cattle library could could be housed. On the livestock mandatory reporting, is there a way to include labeling into that since there's already data being shared and reported? That, that's a really good question. And, and that I'm aware of, no, that would be a, a pretty big shift in um, LMR and the way it's utilized. It, it's more supposed to be p- providing you know, big picture pricing for cattle and beef um, and, and um, kind of averages over you know large chunks and not necessarily broken down. I do think, though, that the labeling conversation just kind of in and of itself is, is really gaining steam and particularly product of the U.S. label, which is a voluntary label. I think that there's a lot of concern that that label could currently be placed on um, meat that, especially grind, isn't necessarily raised in the United States and that wouldn't necessarily meet consumers' expectations. So I think that we, we certainly have an interest, and I know many of the other trade associations have an interest in what as well, and USDA has announced that they're, they're working on this, of making some shifts to the product of the U.S. label process and making sure that that label is, is accurate and only able to be used on meat that might meet a consumer's expectation about whether or not something is truly a product of the United States. Chelsea, just a couple more questions. How do you work with USDA? Uh, all the time and in lots of ways. Um, I think that they're really important partners for LMA, um, probably fr- primarily if you are a livestock auction market, you are actually regulated by USDA's Passes and Stockyards Program. There is a requirement that our livestock auctions are, are registered, that they're bonded, they've got a custodial account um, to ensure that producers are paid when they sell livestock at the auction, and that occurs whether or not the auctions are paid by the buyer. And so we spend a lot of time with packers and stockyards. Um, that law actually uh, turns 100 next month. Uh, it was it was uh, enacted in August of 1921. And so we work a lot with USDA to make sure that the, um, we have good compliance with that law, but also that it's getting modernized and keeping up with the times. We also spend a lot of time with USDA's Animal Plant Health Inspection Service. That would be where the animal disease traceability or the animal identification program lives. Uh, There is a requirement currently in the United States that certain animals, um, adult beef cattle 18 months of age and older that are moving between states are officially identified. So oftentimes producers will bring those animals to a livestock auction to sell and we'll have a veterinarian there that works with the producer to help make sure that depending on if that animal is moving out of state, that it has official ID if needed. And how many members does LMA have? We have a little over 800 members across the U.S. All right, Chelsea, anything else to point out that I didn't ask about? I would just like to share that um, I think that the livestock marketing businesses we have across the United States play a really important role um, for cattle producers and and sheep and goat producers, other livestock producers as well, giving them um, an opportunity to get price discovery and a good competitive price for their animals. But they also play a big role in our local rural communities just in terms of being an an employer and a place that people have the ability to gather and, and having a good economic impact in their communities. Actually, your average livestock auction market, um, 
brings approximately $1 million in value-added dollars to the local community annually. And that, that would be an average market in a community of about 5,000 people. So just really uh, great businesses, great people to get to work with, and appreciate the role we get to play in the industry. Chelsea Good, Livestock Marketing Association Vice President of Government and Industry Affairs and Legal, my featured guest on the Ag Queen podcast. I'm your host, Lori Boyer.